Hello and welcome back to Equity, the TechCrunch podcast where we unpack the numbers and nuance behind the headlines. I'm Natasha Mascarenas and I missed saying that. Happy New Year, everyone. I am back after two weeks off. You might be too. And yes, it is Tuesday, January 3rd, 2023, somehow. And well, it's going to be an interesting start to the year. I am taking over Monday as Alex is out on paternity leave. Congrats to him and Liza on the cutest TC baby ever. Hopefully I don't get in trouble for that. Um, And thank you to all of you for sticking with us this year. It's going to be a fun one. Let's jump right in. Let's start off with the news that is making all the Indian uncles in my neighborhood not super happy, which is around Tesla. On Monday, it reported that it missed its own guidance for the year around deliveries. So basically, it delivered around 405,278 vehicles in the fourth quarter of 2022, which sounds like a lot. And it was. It had an impressive 40% growth in deliveries. At the same time, it did project a 50% growth in production and deliveries for the year. So it was short of that and people aren't super happy about it. If we look at how its share price has performed over 2022, our team reports that its share price has sunk 65% since January. And there's, of course, more hurdles ahead. According to some investors, they're looking at the lack of COVID-19 control measures in China. They're looking at how Elon Musk's antics on and about Twitter may distract and in some ways make people question their purchases. So stay tuned on that. But that is definitely what you need to know about Tesla. Continuing our big tech section, we are now talking about Meta. TechCrunch confirms that Meta is purchasing Lux Excel, which is a smart eyewear company headquartered in the Netherlands. We don't know the terms of the deal, but we do know that Meta has a lot of history around acquiring smaller startups that are building top technology. I mean, when I was prepping for this episode, I had read our story and I learned that Quest was actually from an acquisition of Oculus in 2014. Please don't make fun of me for not knowing that, but I think at some point you forget that a lot of these experimental efforts had this whole effort of a smaller startup behind them. And there's no difference when we see how Meta treats it. Of course, the big question is if Meta will face any antitrust scrutiny over this acquisition, because we know it already is over a VR fitness product within. And you may have noticed that I haven't talked about the markets too much during this section, and that's because it's not my favorite thing to talk about. But I will make an exception and give a nod to our OG Equity Monday and talk about a new stock that is entering the S&P 500, GE Healthcare. So last year, or sorry, 2021 now, the industrial giant known as GE decided to break up its company into three parts and its healthcare unit, which kind of combines its medical technology, pharmaceutical diagnostics, and digital solutions, is going to now be its own entity that starts trading on the NASDAQ tomorrow, January 4th. So kind of cool and altogether exciting. But let's move on to a big idea that is taking space as we set the tone for the new year. A big idea that's setting the tone for this new year is around interoperability. TechCrunch's Paul Sawyers wrote about Matrix, which is a protocol that's trying to make messaging apps work together more, which it doesn't maybe sound as controversial as it actually is. But if you think about it today, if I use Slack, if TechCrunch uses Slack, there's no way we can casually send a message to someone on Slack who is using Microsoft Teams. And those silos over time become a lot more of a pain when we add in all the different sources we use and and all the different ways distributed work has made our work lives very online. So there's Slack, there's Facebook, there's Teams, WhatsApp, Twitter. I mean, all of those apps are about, yes, network effects and getting people on that exact platform. 
But Matrix is daring to ask a bit of a more difficult question, which is what if our digital lives and the way we message looked more collaborative and intertwined? You no longer have to be single platform or need the network of a entire company behind you, but you can still get your message to who you want to, regardless of how their laptop is set up. So our story reports that the number of people on Matrix's network doubled in size in 2022, around 80.3 million users. That number might be higher. And we're seeing it move from not just people at work and enterprise communications, but mainstream consumer platforms as well. There's so much in Paul's story that I would recommend you read because there's questions around safety, privacy. Is this legal? Should we want this? But what I would latch onto is Element. It's kind of flagship app, which users can pay $5 per month. And it's a consumer-focused subscription product. People can bring all their friends into a single interface, irrespective of what app they use. I think of it a little bit as probably an onboarding tool to getting people to understand the value of non-native interoperability. And I kind of do love that it supports non-matrix apps such as WhatsApp, Telegram, and Signal. Because, I mean, long-term, it changes the way and the incentives that really platforms would work for if they weren't just focused on getting people to come to just their app. So I think it's an interesting sort of way to look into the future and look into how a singular niche use case could be getting reinvented in the year ahead. Finally, it is CES week. Oh my God, it's the Consumer Electronics Show and it is TechCrunch's first time heading in person to the Las Vegas conference since the pandemic began, which is wild. I won't be there, but a lot of my favorite coworkers will be. And we actually all got to eavesdrop on how Brian Heater, TechCrunch's hardware editor, is preparing for the massive week. I looked at his column and he has a few expectations. So first off, Brian thinks it's going to be a huge year for robotics. It's always a thing at CES, he explained. There's Yes, there's flashy robots, but there's also a bunch of usually cute, junky robotics toys. So it's always the job of the journalist, the analyst there to see what breakthroughs may happen. Speaking of breakthroughs, we are still waiting for some of them in the Web3 and crypto space, and that has not stopped Brian's inbox from being flooded with Web3 and crypto pitches at CES specifically, even in the climate space. And I mean, that last note makes me kind of excited because it apparently has never been a huge, you know, overwhelming part of CES, the climate aspect of it. But he has seen some pitches and there's apparently a section that's going to be dedicated to that this year. So I'll definitely stay tuned on and hear what's kind of happening there from our reporters. But in the meantime, I guess I want to just plant an idea, which is how does innovation change and how does hardware change during an economic downturn? We might be less excited about spending and so are investors. And so I do wonder if we're going to see as many high flying, literally and figuratively companies go out there that are promising change in 2035, or if we're going to see things that are more about impact today, impact in the next quarter or year towards populations that matter. The Wall Street Journal Tech News Briefing podcast, I listened to it this morning, great show. It said that there's going to be less startups at the show this year. To me, that means that some of the boldest innovation, the scrappiest innovation might be missing. So, hey, I hope I'm proven wrong. I do think it's a theme to notice, and I'll definitely update you all on Friday on Equity to see what happens. And that is the show. I told you that this might be a wellness vibe show going forward. And I mean it. I feel like this year we all need to just expect and yes, manifest that things are going to be going our way. Things are going to be okay and great. And 
I hope your entrance back into work or continuing work is going as smoothly as possible. Regardless, thank you for spending some time in the beginning of the week with me. I am Natasha Mascarenas. You can follow me on Twitter at nmask underscore or on Instagram, Substack, Mastodon, all the things at Natasha the Reporter. I will chat with you guys on Friday. Bye. Equity Mondays are hosted by myself, senior TechCrunch reporter Natasha Mascarenas. We're produced by Teresa Loconsolo with editing by Kel Keller. Bryce Durbin is our illustrator. Alyssa Stringer leads audience development and Henry Picavet manages TechCrunch audio products. Thanks so much for listening and we'll be back next week.